time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. It's time once again for Reengineering Your Finances, the podcast that's going to help you learn a little bit more about your financial life and about retirement. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy. He is the founder of CP Weldy Group, serving you in Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Ford, PA. They're on Route 52. Find us online, listen to past episodes of the podcast, all sorts of good stuff at cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com. Charles, thanks for being with us once again. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Walter. How are you doing? You always bring such good energy to the program, Charles. I'm always psyched to get the chance to talk to you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, we've got a great show on the way for today. We're going to try and keep things simple, even though the financial world is going to try and make it harder on us. We're going to talk about five simple retirement questions that are actually kind of hard to answer if you don't know what you're doing. These are some of retirement planning's most important questions, and really they seem simple. They can be asked in just four or five words. They give that impression that maybe it's a simple yes or no answer, but it's tricky because just like the simple question of what's the meaning of life, (laughs) it leads to quite complex and maybe even unknowable answers. Some of these financial questions also leave us maybe in a little bit of a lurch, but we're going to draw on Charles' many years of experience to navigate through some of these big questions. So I'm going to start it off with a very common one here, Charles, and that's, you know, how do I decide when to take Social Security. Seems like it should be, you know, a number, right? Well, 62, 65. But how do you really go about answering that question? Is it a little bit harder than it seems? Well, it really depends on someone's life expectancy. So what I generally say is like, I say something like, Walter, tell me what age you're going to pass away and I'll tell you when to take your Social Security. (laughs) One question leads to another hard one to answer, right? (laughs) So the, rea- the reality of it is, you're right, people can either take it at 62, 66 generally, or 70 at the latest. And what we generally do is like we ask them like, hey, do you think you're going to live to age 80 or beyond? And, you know, people say yes or no. If they don't think they're going to live beyond 80, it doesn't really matter in terms of cumulative benefits, whether they start taking it at 62, 66, or 70. Because when you multiply the monthly Social Security benefit times the number of months, you know, pretty much the cumulative benefit is the same in all three cases. What people fail to realize is what are the tax consequences of taking the money sooner rather than later? So, um, you know, that's the big fallacy I see in, you know, planning for Social Security. People don't take income tax liability on that benefit into play when they decide to take it sooner rather than later. So you're right. It's not an easy question to answer. There has to be an analysis done. And a lot of the analysis really depends on, hey, can we shift some assets sooner rather than later so that when you eventually take your Social Security, we can perhaps make it all fully non-taxable. So a simple question can turn out to be not an easy answer. There has to be an analysis done, not just in terms of cumulative benefit, but what's the net after-tax benefit of that decision. It's like somebody who uh, you know breaks their leg, and then they're sort of saying, can we keep the toe? Am I going to be able to save the toe? And it's like, look, we, we got to address the entire leg here, not just the toe. And that's sort of like Social Security, just kind of, hey, how do I decide this? Well, we can't decide if we can save this or what to do with this until we figure out the bigger problem, which is your whole financial plan. 
Exactly. Yeah, that decision can't be made in a vacuum. Yeah, oh, that's a really good way to put it. Yes, absolutely. So deciding when to take Social Security sounds like a simple question, maybe a little bit harder to answer, but that's okay. It's doable, but just realize that it's not a you know quick flip of the coin or a yes or no kind of question to be answered. Another area where we see this too, Charles, you know, simple retirement question number two that's hard to answer. How do I design a truly diversified portfolio? Well, you know, that's a common question. And basically, a diversified portfolio has like a compromise in it. What I mean by that is, you know, as a general rule, when you diversify your portfolio, you've got stocks and bonds and the type of stocks might be growth or value, large or small company, domestic or international. But by diversifying your portfolio, what you're really giving up is potential growth because you're taking less risk with a diversified portfolio. So therefore your return is gonna be less. And that's okay for you know a lot of investors, less risk means less return, but there's some investors that need to take more risk to realize their goals. And that's why, and I have mentioned it on other podcasts, Walter, that we subscribe to the planning called the bucket plan, where the soon bucket might be a conservative mix of assets that you're going to be drawing down to spending income. And the later bucket will be for growth, where maybe you can take a little bit more aggressive approach. And the combination of both should get you where you want to go based upon what your cash flow needs are. So just to sum it up, you know, a diversified portfolio is like a baseball player. You're going to hit singles and doubles. You're not going to hit a home run. You're not going to strike out. But there are instances where people are too cautious, too conservative, and to realize their goals, they got to take more risk. So um, again, a simple question, not a, a simple answer. It really depends on the facts and circumstances of their cash flow needs. Really good guidance there. That definition of diversification means different things to different people, and that's why that's a harder one to answer, depending on where you kind of fall along that spectrum of defining that word. Really important to think about and consider. We're talking about these five simple retirement questions. Number three is picking funds in your 401k. You know, which ones do I pick, Charles? Well, I guess the most important decision is how much of your 401k money do you want to have in stock mutual funds or stock investments? And how much do you want to have in fixed income? That's really the important question. And obviously, the more stock that you have in your portfolio over time, based on history, the higher the return is going to be. So as a general rule, if I have a client or a prospect within five years or less of retirement, we're kind of looking at maybe a moderate allocation, 60% stock, 40% fixed income. Not that it's gospel, but five years before you retire and the first five years after you retire are critical points in your retirement because if things go south, you know, maybe the retirement plan is not going to be what we thought it would be. And it's better to be cautious than to be over aggressive, you know, at that stage of the game. Conversely, if I have a client or prospect that has more than five years until retirement, I want them to focus on growth because as a general rule, they're putting money in every month or every paycheck, maybe twice a month. And they're actually buying, you know, 12 to 26 times a year. And I have no problem them taking a little bit more risk, having a little bit more stock allocation, because even if, if the market goes down, they're buying at a discount. So let's really look at it this way. You know, the younger you are, you know, you, you should be praying for markets to go down because you're a buyer. The older you are, you know, maybe you don't want to see the markets go down because a lot of the monies that you've invested in the past are in an account and you want to, you know, make sure that it's there when you retire and it lasts for your lifetime. 
That's a great point, Charles, there as well. All these things certainly wrap together, right? Social Security, diversified portfolios, and then how 401ks fit into that mix as well. While we're on the subject of 401ks, too, let's throw in another simple question that's got a harder answer, and that's kind of what to do at the end of that 401k. Maybe not the end even. I know that there's caveats to even that part of it, but you know, doing a 401k rollover, I think that's something that a lot of people have maybe heard about or it's going to be proposed to them as an idea at some point is doing a 401k rollover right for me that's a yes or no kind of question but not the analysis that goes into it yeah well first i like to look at the tax consequences of doing a 401k rollover so there's two ways of doing a rollover number one is you receive a check from your 401k provider and within 60 days you're required to roll that over into an ira or another qualified plan And then if you do that, there's no taxation. You have a 60-day rollover period once you receive that check. So that's one way of doing it. The better way of doing it is to have your 401k provider send the check directly, which is called a transfer. And that would go directly to your IRA account or whatever other account you had set up. And the reason why that's important is that a lot of people don't realize that you can only do one rollover per year or one rollover every 365 days. So if someone were to have you know, an old 401k from a previous employer and a current 401k from their current employer, and let's just say within the last year, they you know, got a check from their previous employer, rolled it over into their IRA. If they do the same thing within 365 days with 401k number two, that whole amount's going to be taxable because there's only one rollover permitted every 365 days. So the takeaway from all this is whenever you're transferring money from one retirement account to another, it's best to do a transfer where the money's going directly from the provider that currently has it to the new place where it's going to be invested. All right, Charles, we're down to the last one, although I'm sure we could find many more to add to this list. Uh, Five simple retirement questions that are hard to answer. That would be addressing the cost of a nursing home stay and how to go about doing that. Well, you know, I kind of looked at Pennsylvania's, we have a couple of clients that are actually in nursing home facilities here. And in Pennsylvania today, round numbers, it's $8,000 a month. Now, treadline inflation is 3%. So historically, you know, costs have gone up 3% per year. But with medical, the cost of living increase is more like 7% a year. So at 7% a year, Walter, money doubles in 10 years. So what might cost $8,000 a month today will cost $16,000 a month say 10, 12 years from now. So that's my pet peeve with a lot of plans that I do. Everybody wants long-term care, but nobody wants to pay for it. And you know, there's ways today by doing a full comprehensive plan that you might be able to find some sources of money that would actually protect you know, the other like 95%. So just to kind of sum this up, in financial planning, the leak in the dike really is long-term care. Everything's going to work out fine for most people unless that occurs. And if they don't have a plan for it, you know, basically the plan that was set up for them initially probably won't work. Yeah, it's really good points, Charles. And last but not least, I mean, these are sort of five that we just bantered about. Are there, you know, any other things that come to your mind that are simple questions that could be, you know, a little bit harder to answer in the, uh, you know, the full picture of things? Uh, Do I have anything else? I mean, what's a common question that I get? A lot of people are not real up to date on taxes. And, um, you know, they don't really realize that, 
you know, it's not your rate of return pre-tax, it's your rate of return after tax. So I would just say that if people maybe spend a little bit of time with their tax accountant or tax planner, and, you know, there's financial advisors like myself today that specialize in tax planning, I think that, you know, they'd be surprised at the real rate of return after taxes, because a lot of times people overlook taxes. That's probably the, you know, the only thing well, not the only thing, but maybe the major thing that people aren't aware of is that, you know, gee, I might have this huge potential future tax obligation that I'm not even like aware of. And, you know, I'm going to bury my head in the sand and not do any planning. So that would be, uh, you know, one thing that everyone should consider doing and very few people actually spend the time doing. Well, Charles, this is helpful information. We can never forget Uncle Sam, so I'm glad that you brought him up as well. can never leave him out of the conversation. Even when we try, he's going to rear his ugly head, it sounds like. Last but not least, when, when people meet with you, Charles, what happens in your process to simplify these things? Because if I'm just here listening and I'm kind of going, all right, Oh, Social Security. Okay, not an easy answer. Diversification. I thought that was supposed to be important. And now, oh, that's not an easy answer, too. And now not even doing a rollover is an easy one to answer on my own. You know, these things kind of pile up against somebody. So how do you kind of like pump the brakes, calm the waters a little bit when people come in to meet with you and simplify this whole process? So, you know, again, Walter, we subscribe to the bucket plan and we don't really accept any monies unless people get a plan done because we believe the plan is the product. So they come in, they come in with their tax return and a basic idea of what they have in three different accounts, what's in taxable, what's in tax deferred and what's in tax free. And basically we get an idea of what their monthly income need is, where the money's coming from or where potentially it's going to come from. And we'll know within like 20 minutes to an hour, you know, is this a good fit? Are we a good fit for them? Are they a good fit for us? And for the most part, pretty much we can help anybody that wants our help. But again, you know, it all starts with the plan. Great points on today's show. If you need any assistance with your financial life and you'd like to contact Charles to talk a little bit about some of the questions that you've got on your mind, he can certainly walk you through that conversation. Give him a call at 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705. Also online at cpweldygroup.com. That's cp weldygroup.com. We'll put a link to that address in the description of today's episode. So be sure to check that out and that'll send you to where you need to be on the website. Charles, lots of help as always. Thanks for taking the time to be with us and uh, we'll do another podcast uh, very soon. Thank you, Walter. Have a great day. Enjoyed it. That's Charles Weldy. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you next time right back here on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.